it's so easy to list a few things that you'd like, but what you actually want from like when when it was asked what to me yesterday that question. Okay. It was like, well, I just want to be a 35-year-old man who doesn't suffer from panic attacks. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm, I'm very excited uh, because we've been chatting for a little while and trying to get this arranged, but we've got Bill Ryder Jones with us, who is a well-known, I should say, songwriter, musician, producer, composer. He co-founded the band The Choral, and we've uh, had some interactions uh, through certain events around talking about mental health in the music industry. Um, but today, I'm just really curious to understand a little bit about your journey, Bill, and get to know you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit more uh, uh, about you, the things that you do, the music that you write. Like, what inspires you? That's a lot. Um, <laughs> what I do, you pretty much summed it up. I, I'm in my studio. I produce music for other people. I occasionally make music of my own um, and I write for people on occasion um, and uh, yeah that's kind of my job and I love it and it's um, what inspires me. Um, I mean it, you just I just love I love being around music and, and people who, who want to make music and find it a very um, a very rewarding, cathartic thing, you know. Um, yeah, that's no, that's that's me. Yeah. Well, music's been part of your life from from quite a young age. You started your your first band quite young. How 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 old were you then? At Thirteen when we started, and we got our record deal when I was sixteen. Um, and I've been in, and I'm thirty. Well, I'm coming up to me thirty sixth birthday. So it's been kind of 20 years in the industry, professionally, like such a, you know. What does that feel like? To say it's weird, um, particularly as I've got this light making me look quite young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look um, about 25. I know, if I turn the light off, it'd be like... <laughs> um, but yeah 20, yeah, 20 years, I mean, yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? It's more than, Half my life. So, you know, it is. You just get on a. You just something happens, and then you start. You know, you go along with it for a bit, and then twenty years later, and you. You talk to me, and you're like, "Fuck, twenty years, man." Yeah. That's not about it too much. But but thirteen is quite young uh, to to be starting any kind of career, and I guess you you started it from a from an interest perspective, but. Take us back just for a second. So pre-13, right? So childhood and stuff. What was that like? Do you think that, that your, your parents, the education system, like 
prepared you for what life in uh, on this 20-year track in the music industry was going to be like? No, no, I don't think. Well, it's hard, like, and I know you know a little bit about um, my childhood through um, the thing we did for Spotify, but like, there's so much of it that I've just the memories have just been lost to me um, that it's quite hard to to remember a great deal. Probably up until I was 13, to be honest. It's like um, I can't imagine. I mean, at 16, I think my parents were, my father was slightly, I'd got into college, just scraped into college. I think my father thought that was the way you, you would go. My mother was always very supportive of, and is whatever I want to do, really. She doesn't have, um, you know, she's all just about, like, you know, whatever you want to be happy uh, kind of person. And, and we find, you know, as soon as we got our record deal, we, we done got behind it too. The education, I don't know how parents or the education system would, would ever um, know how to, how to um, advise um, a teenager about going into the creative industries, you know. It's not, um, particularly then, that was like 1990, right. 1999 when we got signed, you know, there was very little conversation even about mental health, let alone having a 20-year career in music, which is, which is rare anyway. You know? For sure. You sort of think, well, maybe it's a one-hit wonder. You, you, you can't sort of predict anything when you're in those early stages, can you? No. And also, like, our difference to the rest, the, the, all, the, all the lads in the band had jobs. I was just a little bit younger. And um, all of a sudden, there's like a ton of money in your bank account at 16, 17, and I remember my dad at the time saying, you need to be putting a deposit down on a house. It's like, what you do? Exactly. Be fine, you know, we're gonna be fine, we're gonna be great, you know? And then, <laughs> 20 years ago, 20 years later, I still haven't got a deposit for a house, <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, Your dad was right. But he was right, yeah, he absolutely was right, and I think, um, I could have probably listened to him a little bit more. Like, but again, I don't think um, there's certainly no rule book for parenting. Oh, exactly. Also for for like you know trauma and and kind of the other things that life throws at you. So exactly, without going into it, but just for clarity for for the listeners, there there was some trauma that went on for you when you were quite a bit younger. It affected some of your memories and, and experience. And then when you're 13, was, was music already maybe your expression or your escapism um, sort of in those early teenage years? Yeah, I think, I think um, I'd always been able to play like the piano was like from as long as I can remember. Um, but it didn't, it didn't really connect with me until I got a guitar and then, then I, Again, that's still quite hazy. The only memory I've got is kind of just wanting to play the guitar all the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, assuming that there's some that I got that I got something out of it. I wasn't very talkative. Um, I'm still um, struggle with with words, you know, and how to express what I'm feeling. I think probably, yeah, I think music, I, the way I feel about music now would 
would um would make me think that you know it started when I was when I was thirteen when I was like the most obsessed that I've ever been about learning an instrument and finding I, I guess I was finding ways of of understanding or or, or creating some some um, order by you know the the rules that are governed and dictated by that bit of wood and the order of the strings. Because what was the experience of performing like? So moving from like practicing in your bedroom or whatever to, to getting on stage and then building a following and, and all those sorts of things. Awful. Still, it? yeah, it's still awful. Yeah. Um, it was really bad. Like I'm, it's strange. Like it was really bad when 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 the choral started. I was very like I couldn't hold food down the day of the gig and constantly constantly thrown up and I was very very thin. Now. Um, Despite having still having some quite, you know, um, debilitating anxiety issues, I find performing a bit easier now. I think it's, it must be an age thing. I don't know, but yeah, back then it was. Um, oh God, I hated it. Yeah, I, I remember when when we had there was a period when you get when you start to get noticed there's a band. Like we had like people from Warner and Sony and Universal come up to our little rehearsal room up in Liverpool and watch us like we play a few songs and you know, kind of showcase for them before they sign you. And I remember the man our manager at the time, Alan, had to pull me aside and say, "You're gonna have to turn around and face these people." <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> You're like the music's still coming out. Surely it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, I literally, literally had to say like face the audience. Yeah, yeah. I, I just have a real problem making eye contact with people, and I don't know. I, think I just, um, I was just more comfortable, despite having shaved my head, bicked my head in protest to something that I can't remember. I did that. I, I always wanted to not be seen, or you know, sorry. I'm not surely sure what I was thinking. I was, it was quite a strange young man, I think. <laughs> Well, it's a strange age anyway, because you, you both want to be seen and you want to hide because we're the most awkward we'll ever be at that stage. And, yeah. you know, find our identity and figure out who we are and find some kind of that we matter in the world. Um, so there is often that kind of conflict. And then for you, it must be a little bit more extreme because you're on stage and you, you have these expectations now to, to present yourself in a certain way. It's It's... Absolutely so true and, and quite strange that you brought that up because that was, I told you I had, I've started a new, uh, I've started with a new therapist and I was with them yesterday and we talked quite a lot about that, that conflict of how I still live where I live mainly because no one really cares about what I do here. But also like, and, I, and, 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 and how a big part of how people see us as a musician, is someone who's quite humble and not like you know your rock and roll star, you know, and a little bit more um, like normal guy. But at the same time, I do have this thing where I'm, I'm basically saying to everyone, "Look at me." Yeah, yeah. I have a message. I have something. <laughs> yeah. It is, and it, it, you can kind of, you know, we, we talked about that at length, and I realised just how 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 ill at ease I am with those two things that I want and I never really realized and that was only the second session I've had with them to kind of have that 
realization this thing's been bothering me and I've never been able to put it into words is um but yes yeah, same problem at 16 as at 35 it's a bit yeah well it's just trying to marry up like the, and there, I'm sure there's more than two sides of you those are the two sides we're talking about but there, there's going to be other sides that want to get a uh, step in and want to hold back and you know and I guess life is kind of about in my opinion, growth. And it's like an eternal journey to figure out who we are in different environments and what we want and ask ourselves the tough questions and whether we're brave enough to do the work to moving that in that direction. That's, that's it. And it's the, it's about, it's, um, it's, I, f- I find with a lot of people, well, talk, let's just talk about myself. I only really decided to re-enter into therapy when I got so I actually got fed up of, so fed up with the way I was living that it actually gives you a strength to go, oh, God, I don't get this sorted. No. And so the last five years, I've been quite happy with that whole confusion, the cycles of, you know, the coping mechanisms that I've created myself that are clearly no bloody good to me. And, um, and, and it is hard, isn't it? You know, it's the tough questions and the, it's going over old things particularly with what this new thing that I'm getting into, which is about trying to kind of access some of those memories that were lost to me and having to go over things that feel like they happened to someone else, but, but still getting, you know, we were talking about my, my, my traumatic event and it's still, it doesn't really feel like it happened to me, but, you know, like crying as I'm talking it through. And it's just points like that where you go, God, you know, I'm really, I'm pretty far down this road here. Like there's a, there's a real, there's a real um, buffer somewhere, you know, that needs, and that's, a, that's like playing around with your brain is, um, it's, it's worrying, you know, you think, God, what am I going to, how, what's going to come up? You know, yeah, um, scary. It, it, it is where you set tough questions and and, and tough and a lot of hard work. Yeah, and you gotta want to do it, haven't you? You know. Yeah, and and um, showing up consistently to it. I remember I did a, a trauma therapy called IRRT, um, something re-censoring, reprocessing, whatever it was. Um, which, which got me, as you're describing, sort of into a place where I was uh, repeating the trauma in some way. Uh, and it was good, it was safe and, and the, the whole thing. But then she, the, the woman like recorded, records part of the session. And so you literally every day afterwards have to play it back to yourself and do this little scoring kind of journaling exercise. And I was a bit like, I did not sign up for that. Like the next morning I would like have nightmares and wake up crying. And, and the, the instruction was to like re-listen to, to this recording of the traumatic event. But, but you're listening from the perspective of your adult self. Right. So they try and separate out the child self who is like helpless and traumatized and in this a victim mode and, and, and kind of bring in your adult self that is, you know, smart and wise and has learned things and, you know, loves themselves and all these sorts of things and have this, this dialogue. But I was like, I, this is the wrong month for this. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, I got shit to do. I yeah. can't be walking down the street like falling apart. That, it's, that's why it's so, well, it's just so tricky, isn't it? Like who, who has the time 
or the funds to be able to stop work for a month to do intense. Yes, and I know that you reached a sort of breaking point at, in in your own in your own band when you were younger. And many of us, we don't invest in that type of work. But what happens is it builds up, and then we're forced to take time off yeah. from burnout or mental health issues, or like that's what we're actually working with. It's like yeah. we're better at like picking up pieces, um, you know, collecting pieces like when the shit hits the fan than actually like the this the. the the um, self-preservation, taking care of things as and when. Better at it. We're paying bills. Like, yes. if I paid every bill that came in when it came in, be fine, but they scare me, so I leave it six months and then, you know, then it's a mad panic to sell something and, you know, <laughs> yeah. bad trade, yeah. right? It really needs sorting out. Um, but, but you're saying we're better at picking up the pieces. We're only, we're only better at it because those are the times when we're forced to do it or we're going to be homeless or we're, our relationships are going to break down or we're going to physically be ill or, you know, yeah. like we're forced to do the things in order to, to survive. So our kind of fight or flight kicks in and it's harder, I guess, to, and I guess over time I've learned what my investment process is like, that I've got to do certain things in order to prevent me from being suicidal again. Or from doing some of the things that I, you know, the positions that I got into. Um, so you're you're 16. You reach a bit of success. You're you're scared on stage, but you're showing up anyway. It's the only thing I guess you know how to do. Do you drop out of college, or are you still keeping that up? No, no. We, no as soon as we got the money, we were out. out. There's no point. Um, yeah. And so where where did that lead? You, you like what was that journey like for you? I was a lot. Well, I mean, there was a lot of drugs very early on. So again, my memory is a little bit hazy around the whole thing. Yeah. But I mean, it's like a bubble. You never really have to grow up if you're in that environment. You know, there's always someone holding your hand. You get picked up, taken to gigs. Someone takes care of your taxes, you know. Um, you don't. Around you're dealing with like this very strange dynamic of kind of five, six young men all trying to work out who they are individually and also as part of a kind of clan, you know. Um, I don't think that's, I mean, normal to me, but I, you know, from, from speaking to other people, I think, you know, think about that now and you go, yeah, that's probably not. Um, well, it's probably exaggerated because everyone. Yeah maybe parties more or you discover mm. the opposite sex or, you know, just d- discovers mm. fun versus responsibility, like those sorts of things. But I guess you didn't have to learn the, how am I going to get a, a, you know, a, a regular job or pay my bills and, and you, you, you could just go with the flow in that sense. Yeah. And, and at times it was great. Um, but I think my memory of the whole thing was um, of, of being like, just very unhappy. I don't. I, strange. It's it's quite hard to reflect on that whole like ten years that I was in. That we you know from when, I, when we got signed to when I left. Um, because it was like it was quite a steep. You know, we first two records did really well, and then there was a kind of this kind of thing happened. Um, so there's a lot of. There's a lot of weird stuff, and like, like you said, you know, you talk about exaggerating. I, I see, I see it in groups quite a lot. 
with younger groups, you, like I say, everyone's so desperate to like work out which one they are in the band. You do become like a more like a, a caricature of whatever persona you already were. So I went more into quiet guitarist one. And also, you know, at 16, like uh, the people I realized, the first people I identified with were those kind of guitarists in, in bands, you know, who, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, Graham Cox and Nick McCabe, and, you know, not, not the one who was like, you know. Yeah. Um, kind of moody. And, you, go, and, you, and you, you get a green light to go and do that fully, and you wonder if, if you'd have been, you know, if it had been like that without, had I not been in the band, or whether I'd have just been, you know, worked out. I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at, I guess, is I'm questioning whether, like, I actually was meant to meant to do any of that. You know, I, don't, I only picked up music to because I'd, my, my big brother played, and I think it was probably a way of staying close to him after his passing. And, I, and you know, I, I do um, sometimes think, oh, did I just... Was that just that one decision that I made to pick up the violin when I, when I was seven, when Daniel died? And, 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 and I'm here. And maybe there would have been other things that could have been good. So I've gone off topic there. We um, love tangents. tangents. How, how old was Daniel? What happened there? Uh, Daniel died in 1991. Um, so he was nine years old. Um, but he, he had an accident in, on a family holiday. Yeah, that was it, that was it. And so there was some, so, so yeah, you're musing on, you know, what part of you was affected by that and wanted to keep his memory alive or connect with him in some way, which led you on a certain track? Well, yeah, it's, just, it's all like, just wonder. I mean, I spoke to, I remember when I first, just before I got my, my, Diagnosis with the dissociative. I've got like dissociative um, um, issue. <laughs> um, before I got my diagnosis, I was I had these episodes, these really strange things, and I for some reason decided to get in touch with my old primary school teacher, who was also very close to my brother. And she, at the time, this was ten, this was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. She, at the time, kind of expressed her thought that that I, I may have been trying to fill this hole probably for my mother because she was so much closer to Daniel than she was to me um, and kind of grew my hair out after he died and started wearing his clothes and, you know, started skateboarding and playing violin and kind of, you know, not doing it. And, but, you know, basically kind of morphing into him somewhat. And, yeah, and, you know, you you know, it would make sense, wouldn't it, for a seven-year-old to do that? Um, but I, I, so, but I, you know, it's not that I don't love what I do. I just, just wonder. Yeah, I wonder if I'd have, if I'd have, if I'd have got involved in music at all. Those sort of sliding doors moments, isn't it? Where <laughs> one decision affects. Yeah. Are you spiritual at all? I believe in, um, I mean, um, uh, you know, I don't have any faith in organized religion. Um, I believe 
I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a musician, you know, there's things, in, there's things that happen in music, the energy that I, I fully believe in, give myself to and, and, and feel. I guess um, it's a bit, it's a word, the word itself kind of makes me feel my nipples a bit. Like, I don't know why, it just makes um, um, yeah. so many sort of dodgy ways, right? Hey? It's interpreted in so many sort of ways <laughs> that are like attributed to organized religion or to cults or to just crazy shit, right? Um, and I yeah. guess, I mean, your own connection to some kind of energy or, or, or something other or soul or, you know, something magical in that sense or something that we just can't put an explanation on. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I believe, I believe there's a, there's a force. I believe there's a collective, there's something that, 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 you know, I think the world's too full of these, um, these tidal shifts, these epochs, the, 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 and the planet seems to go one way at certain times, and and also like um, it's actually been like I don't want to be too um too to generalize too much, but through I've known some amazing women in my life, and I can think of three or four of them. One in particular, an ex an ex partner, who made me realize that actually this this things that men just are a little bit later to the party of recognizing i think the amount of times a girlfriend said watch out for him or watch out for her there's something off and i've always gone ah. and you know, six months later you you go oh yeah they were absolutely shit and i think so and I, I think like it's this instinct isn't it, that you can kind of cultivate but you certainly get like it's as simple as like you get a bad vibe off someone, don't you? And it's about like recognizing that. But I also, I still have, um, I do believe. Yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I'm a believer. There's, there's solely through my love of music. Music can't. I don't think music can be. Um, I don't think it can be an accident. Um. I don't, I don't mean that I think that someone created it. Yeah. I just think it has to, it has to exist. And I think for it to, I think for music to just exist as it does, there has to be some kind of purpose to everything. Cause it just means too much to me, you know? And so I know that, um, you spent some time away from the band and, and got your diagnosis and sort of uh, had a bit of a crisis point there and have had different uh, challenges throughout your life. And then just to circle back to what you just said, do you feel that there's some kind of purpose in all of those experiences that you <clears throat> have? Uh, I don't think there's a purpose to my life. I, I, I don't think... God, this is... Love. We should have done this later in the day. I haven't even had a drink yet. <laughs> um, what time is it? 11 03. Um, I think, I think it's important to do, um, to do your best to be good. Um, you know, I think it's a much better, like the atheist life of, of, of kind of 
doing good for good's sake rather than some kind of celestial reward um, is is important to me. Um, I'm incredibly selfish, but I I do like the fact that I get messages from people who say that what I do helps them. It's not the reason I do it. It's not certainly not my purpose for being. But I do think um, there is a duty. I think as a as a human, if you particularly having watched like our Daniel pass before he got a chance to do a lot of these things, I think um, I I feel a sense of duty to 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 try to, to be a good person, you know. Um, and I think everything, of course, everything that's happened to us um, is at times. I've been quite a bad person, you know. I've done some really terrible things to some really nice people. And um, and I think, yeah, all the ups and downs and all the ins and outs have led us here where I genuinely do try and um, help people. And, and that in itself can be a problem, you know. Very often I've found that there's a certain type of person who's drawn towards me. Um, and quite often they think I've got it boxed off and might be able to help them. And I've, I find that a lot of my relationships, no matter how long or short, I've been sought out as someone that someone can lean on. And I've had relationships, you know, I've had two great, three, my three main relationships I was kind of being cared for by people. But I found recently that, um, I'm very open with people and they take that as a sign of them. Then they should, that they can be open with you. But I've had to just kind of distance myself from a few people this last year, just because I don't have, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a caregiver. I just don't have it. And you've got to look after yourself in order to. That's it. That's that's the heart. And my mother's very similar. I get it from my mother. My mother's got, an unending well of strength for other people and for herself, but she just she just doesn't take care of herself. She won't watch this. Doesn't do the internet. Um, which, you know what I mean? Like it's just a lot easier to to ignore yourself and to 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 to, to try and help other people. And that I think that's got me in a lot of trouble in the last couple of years. In fact, I think I was I think it was healthier for me when I was being just a bit of a shit. And just thinking about myself in, in certain ways. I totally get it. Totally, yeah. And I'm I'm interested in that transition from um, moody guitarist with his hair in his face, like that guy. Um, yeah, I, I can't quite do. It. I need to get my hair out and just like <laughs> play with it. Um, so that guy and the guy who's really quite open. Yes, maybe you you still find it difficult. It's not your comfort zone to be talking, you know, and articulating some of these things, but. <clears throat> lots of news articles, some interviews of you talking about your mental health, talking about uh, the, the breakdown that you had and, um, you know, coming back into uh, music. And you've been really quite open about some of those more personal sides of your story. What changed or what do you, what, what do you think allowed you to, to grow into the, the, the guy who's quite open about his story? Well, I, I, well, I have no pride anymore. I have no... I was cut from those, those, those ties that, you know, that kind of, that kind of northern thing of not 
of, of, of being like a fella. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned it at the podcast. There was a significant moment in my life where I had to move back into my mother's house. And I had to share, and I was 23, I had to share the bed with her because I was this, I was in such a state. After that, you just, in your own mind, you've, you, you know, you're not, you're not a man at all. And then when I realized I wasn't a man, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I'm getting at. When I, when, when I lost that kind of, that kind of ego, and then it became clear to me that actually that alongside with the realization that most of my problems came from the fact that I, I was hiding things um, and not talking about things, then I think um, it was one of the few times in my life where there was, I actually had like a light bulb moment. I was like, that's, what's, that's why I do all these things. That's why I have all these secrets, you know, secrets about my sexuality or the drug, you know, my, my issues with drugs and alcohol and, and, um, and all, all kinds of things, you know, and, and realized that that's just, it was just too heavy, you know, it was too, and I ended up at 23 sharing a bed with my mother because I was, I was just completely spent. And yeah, and at that point, I think that's just like, I, I think you've like, you've evolved, you know, I think we've evolved to like certain points no matter how much you try and hide from things it's a really good analogy this like i love like zombie films and despite zombies not being very fast they don't get tired you know so i think it's very much the same about running and from your problems and keeping secrets you know you can no matter how hard you try and keep them away they're, they're just relentless you know and yeah and then i think after after I got my diagnosis and I, I did a lot of talk therapy and I realised just how beneficial it was, um, I I did one interview where someone asked me about about how I was. Someone, an old friend who knew everything, and had picked up on some lyrics on one of the tracks, and it just made sense not to lie about why I write about the things that I write. And then that started. And then the next time we did an interview. And and then very quickly after I opened up to the public, public like I'm Michael Jackson, not, not bad, oh, no, yeah, no. Just like, you know, like I'm Justin Bieber or someone hugely successful. Um, you start to see just how many like it's it's kind of every day I get a message on by some kind of social media, someone saying, um, I think I think. The, the dissociative disorder that I actually, I've actually got, which is fairly hard to get, not not so much now, but ten years ago, it was quite. You know, my GP didn't have a clue what derealization or depersonalization was, and I've had, I reckon, there's about ten people who've messaged me there going, "I didn't realize this was a thing until I heard you, or until I heard that song, and I heard you talking about what that song was about." I think I probably diagnosed. <laughs> quite a few kids you know and I think that um when when you start to get into that feedback loop of I'm doing something that's because I think the conversation needs to be had and then you start to see that it clearly did need to be had because even at my level I'm getting people uh it's helping them then then you're just on one then and then it would it, it, 
despite in the last year would actually like to for myself would like to not actually be talking so much about my mental health mental ill health problems because I don't want I, I'm aware of the music industry I'm aware how much I romanticised people like Ian Curtis and you know you know Leonard Cohen and Nick Drake and the great depressed told you I um, I'm wary of that, but I, I think that if I didn't have the conversation, if I didn't talk about it, then um, then I'd be wasting an opportunity that that I've got to do something good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to do that, and it's such a selfish career being a musician, you know, talking about yourself all the time. Uh, yeah. Well, there there's something in the process of talking and getting away from the secrets, especially when you're on a public platform that is just healing, right? Um, that it's the secrets in our isolation that can just kill us to be extreme or can definitely bring us down and suck the enjoyment from life. Um, I've also found that being really open has allowed me to connect on a deeper level with people, not everyone. It also, like you said, brings the, the sort of needy people or the ones that just want your energy and uh, you know, rather than uh, that connection. But it's also helped me go, oh, people see me, I see them, and we can have a better sort of human experience. Um, moving into the, the future, like what's the message you think you want to be giving in the world? I mean, I, I, I'm such a contradiction. I, I really don't think I've got anything more to say about it than, than just, you know, it's, um, I think the point is it's, it is all right to be who you are and to, you know, but it's very simple things, like things that everyone knows in their gut. The things that you you knew instinctively before they were kind of tossed out out of you. Um, you know, don't impinge on free will. Don't let anyone impinge on your free will. Be respectful and polite. You know, and ex- express yourself because we've been given this this cognitive. You know this. This, this new part of the brain, the only species to ever have, you know, as far as we know, to be able to, um, to conceptualize and, and think philosophically. Um, and I think what a, what a waste it would be to live um, in ignorance of, of that kind of gift, you know. Um, I think it's such a shame that our 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 species hasn't kind of in one hundred and fifty thousand years we've we've kind of been here, and the what and the four thousand years we've been civilized still don't live in a world of complete tolerance and and um, I'm slightly pessimistic about the race. Um, I think we're probably, truthfully, it's a bit of a losing battle, I think. But I think there's a domino effect that you've got to be a part of and just be influenced positively by what came behind it before and then to, to, um, to knock into what's ahead of you and to influence that in a positive way. And I think whether it changes much, you don't know, do you? But You've got to get some sleep at night, I think.
but uh, you know, yes, we do need to get some sleep at night. Um, I'm reading this. I book called, yeah, I'm reading this book called Everything Is Fucked, um, and and the subtitle is it's a book about hope. Um, yeah. Everything Is Fucked, a book about hope, and it's saying things like, this is actually. The, the, we're actually in the, the best, most progressive time in the world with technology and all of this sort of thing, which is actually giving us space for existential crises and to like be thinking about this stuff, you know? Whereas when you're in survival mode, you, you sort of can't be, be doing those sorts of things. Um, and it's interesting that just with technology and with everything on our phones, everything, you know, accessible all of the time, we can have this sense that the world's gonna end, that we're in danger, that there's wars everywhere. When, when actually essentially our day-to-day -day life is, is safe and can be connected, but we're, it's like people are walking around in this fear state because they're constantly seeing, you know, 50 years ago, you didn't see every detail of, you know, the rape or the pillage or, or the bomb or whatever that was going on on the other side of the world. Even though wars were happening, people, tribes were fighting, these things were happening. And so I think we're living in this day and age where our fight or flight response is like we're, we're constantly in trauma in a way that's just building up, building up, building up. And there's even, you know, more science around that how stress and anxiety are the things that build up to cancer or to physical illnesses. We're just not present and aware. I think, I think that's absolutely right. I think um, it is strange how we're actually, factually, this is a relatively peaceful um, time in human history. Anxiety, depression, 70% more children and young people have, are experiencing, you know, acute mental health issues. And I think some of that is, um, this is controversial, but that whole thing about uh, building resilience and actually we need challenge in our lives in order to feel stronger to get to the next level. And when we're quite, we stay quite safe and we like protect our children or ourselves from any kind of challenge, we actually don't have the opportunity to to, to grow into strong human beings that can actually take a bit, you know? Um, you it is, it's a strange thought, that my, my mother has, blames her generation for my generation. Well, I, think generation the way, I think the way they were brought up, they saw, as they grew up, they saw all the, the, the shortcomings of, you know, pull your trousers up post-war, kind of get on, stiff up a little. So they, they were incredibly liberal with us and probably we were allowed to get away with, with murder a little bit. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because every generation is going to bring their kids up with the hindsight of the errors that their, their parents' generation made. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that I agree this um, technology one's a strange one. It, What's your relationship like with technology? Well, it's, I mean, it's very, it's very entwined with my, when I, when, when I have dissociative uh, episodes, which I haven't had for a serious one for three years. So true. Um, they're very technology based, you know, kind of my, my thing was always feeling like the world was, was like a simulation. And, and as a result, technology, does just you know um i think i mean it's, i think it's amazing it's it can be it can be such a wonderful thing i think twitter's so great for calling people out and i mean i've learned hell of a lot in the last three years through my last partner kaya mainly but also through twitter you know just about um the realities of 
of, of what it is to be um, um, have a different skin colour, which is something I was completely oblivious to as a middle class white man mm. until I was thirty one, and I think it's it can be amazing for for like say seeing things that you know our grandparents would have never seen the the real lives of people that you'll never meet. Um, I also think, you know, like anything, it's it can at times be a playground for idiots and evil people, you know. Um, I think, yeah, I'm not quite settled with it yet. It's weird though that you say, you know, think about, I like it because it helps art. I think it's good for art. Um, I think that's that's the one thing that really we've done well as a, as a, as a, as a it just disrupts the old system of control and allows people to put their music out or their message out in a in a wider free way right yeah i think that's one good thing i also think it's it's actually easier to make something that sounds good without shelling out a load of money as well yeah. um and i think it actually is introduced new art forms, you know, the advance of technology has, has made new music. It, you know, people have, you know, I did a writing session last week with someone who writes, not with a guitar or with a piano, but on the computer, you know, and they come up with things that I could never just hear and play, you know, I think, I think that's quite incredible. Um, but then, you know, I, you said something earlier about I wish I could rewind this. I can't remember what it was you, you said, but it made me think of like the war poets and how, and how you know, they they were in a complete state of trauma and, mm-hmm. and still found it in them to express within the boundaries of, of poetry. And um, I don't know why that felt quite important to me when you said it, but quite remember where I was going with that. You might have to rub this for me. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> but, but what I'm hearing is just that the generational impact, right? <clears throat> and, and what we're left with in, in our day and age and then our children's and the younger generation is technology <laughs> as a first language rather than something that needs to be learned. Uh, yeah. that, that communication and connection. But I, but I think and what I see all the time is the lack of human connection and conversation and that you know it's even harder to pick up the phone and talk to people these days it's all on chat it's all on uh social media um that the kids are um are never learning the skill of connection and wondering why they're feeling things like anxiety and depression because that's one of the challenges i'm talking about it can be a challenge to be a shy awkward kid to learn to speak in front of people to to put yourself out there in that way yeah. and there's something missing um, so what do you do now to look after your mental health? We've talked about talking therapies or even just your fulfillment and like, well, like your enjoyment of life. Like what do you need to keep in balance? And, I, and we've talked about drugs and alcohol because that's in my story as well in our, in our previous conversations and about how that can be both escape uh, and tragedy, right? It can be bliss and um, carnage. Uh, but but what, it was, what shows up for you? Um, so to keep myself level yeah um there's three things really that i always fall back on um nature get out in nature as much as i can 
exercise, uh, like I swim every other day, play football twice a week, if I can, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I also get back in touch with my parents and make effort to see friends. And it, and now, like interestingly, the, the fourth thing that I, I do is try and keep off my fucking phone, you know, because you, you do it. You, it's a real instant. I feel like shit and someone's taking a half-decent photo of me. I know I can put it online and get a, a quick... Um, you know, quick ego boost from it, and I think, and that's not absolutely not real life, is it? You know. Um, so yeah, and and obviously, I mean, I don't take drugs anymore. We talk about that. I still drink way more than I than I should be doing, but that's under control. Um, that, but that's just balance. You know, the the reason I'm back in therapy now is that I've, you know, when you go, you do your consultation with any therapy, and you get that hell sheet which, uh, <laughs> on a scale of one to yeah. what are you you know yeah. <laughs> and I was filling this thing out and I was like I was looking at the answers that I was I was, I was like this looks really bleak she's going to read this back and I know she's going to say well judging by your score you're severely depressed and severely anxious yeah and fair enough she had to do that and I think this woman's amazing I think she's going to be great for but I've I've been severely depressed and it's a void, isn't it? You know, it's, there's, there's nothing else exists other than the senselessness and the uselessness. That's, you know, there's no love in anything. Is there? I was like, I'm not, I said to her, like, I'm not severely depressed at all. And I think life's fucking shit. I think life's, that's a terrible thing. Life can be amazing. I think, I think at the minute it feels a bit, the world feels a bit shit to me at the minute. I had a friend try and do themselves in about two weeks ago. I'm, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not getting enough time off. I'm not making enough money to, to be able to just go on holiday. You know, I've, I've, I've looking back and I've kind of ruined quite a few good relationships for fear. You know, like, I'm in this, I'm back in this stupid cycle where I'm drinking and I'm not looking at it. This was a few weeks ago. Right? Um, so the answer is, I don't know, that, that, why I'm, why, sorry. Um, what I'm looking for now is the answer to your question, like get happy kind of thing. You know, what, what do I need to do to, to not just cope and not just string, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, like I can always laugh at, you know, this this silliness that we live in like but I don't want to just do that anymore I want to you know I want to, I want those moments of you know occasionally you know like the last time it happened I was like in the Mediterranean Sea like snorkeling and I was just like oh god isn't it amazing like isn't just everything just fucking brilliant and there's so few and far between and I just want that's the next step for me. I get to a point where they happen as often as they should because we do live in an amazing mm-hmm. world and, you know, we are amazing beings. And, but for 20 years, I've just more or less always been like, this is a bit fucking shit, isn't it? You know, I think that is, um, 
that and so therapy i guess would be the, the answer to the question well i'm hoping it is you know breaking the cycles you know yeah. therapy coaching asking yourself like i remember when i was asked for the first time what i want like what do you want and how revolutionary that question was for me because you're like you're talking about a 20-year track that you're on right which is music yeah. music and it just kind of one thing leads to another and i imagine lots of people have a say in sort of where that goes and it, it must sometimes just feel like it's a, a, a life of its own it's taken on a life of its own right but when i was asked what i want i i and, and i actually had to figure out how to answer that question because it was so like foreign to me i'm like sorry yeah. because the automatic answer is what do i need to do what should i do and that's based on society friends like um you know other conditioning of what my life should look like and once i realized that actually I could answer the question and then I would have to put the action in place to like plan the good stuff. Like we always plan the like kind of shitty stuff. And like, I've got to pay my bills. I've got to do this. Like we've got to do this gig or we, you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to. But then what if we like clean slated our year and just planned the good stuff first and then mapped in everything else around it, you know? It'd be something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Um, but then there's also something um, like I'm, I'm listening to quite a bit of sort of Buddhist teachings and alternative kind of uh, ways of spirituality. Um, the, 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 the trick of being able to find joy within ourselves, no matter where we are. So we can be in a shitty situation, but still have cultivated the ability to find joy within that. Like that's the journey I'm on. That's, that's so foreign to me. Like... Because I, I love being on my own, but I can't stand myself. And it's a very hard thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, I'm not trying to be funny, but it, it is funny. Like, I can't bear someone being near me all the time. But if I'm just sat on my own, we just, you know, like, I just, I want to talk, you know, I'm happy. I, I can't stand. Yeah, it's, and, and, What's really interesting about you saying, you know, what, do I, what do you want? Oh. And it's the hardest question because it's so easy to list a few things that you'd like, but what you actually want. From you. Like when, when it was asked what to me yesterday, that question, okay. it was like, well, I just want to be a 35-year-old man who doesn't suffer from panic attacks. And I, th I think if, if I had that, I would be happy working in, Morrison's I mean that's not I'm sure that's not true yeah but you get so caught up in 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 just in just wanting away from the bad things that you can't the therapist was like yeah okay so let's say let's say you, you find a way of coping with your panic attacks then what then yeah. what do you want it's yeah. like, there's nothing there's nothing past not having anxiety I, I don't expect to not have depression or dissociative episodes but I just like to get the train to Liverpool without either having to take some Valium or have a few drinks um, or just wipe and knuckle it, you know. It's a very hard thing to look past and think about who you want to, you know, because we talked briefly before about music and whether that's like what I actually do want or do I want to, you know, the only other thing I really like is playing computer games, sport and reading books on like ancient civilization and only one of those things I could then do as a career. Turn into money, yeah. You know what I mean? 
but it's such such a hard thing to like even picture a world where you it's just like yeah, yeah it's just I think it takes so hard practice though like the first time I, and this is where meditation or visualizing or journaling or whatever is different for everyone can just help put the the puzzle pieces into that picture because positive psychology is very much what like what we do we want rather than what do we want gotten rid of and our automatic response is often well i don't and that's a good starting point i want less pain i want less of this but like you've already said like the scuba diving was amazing or <laughs> the, you know i'm sure there's been other experiences and I'm, I'm not not quite um good team with the scuba diving <laughs> i think you need to move because <laughs> you're in the wrong place um but there's something about creating space in this world of noise to actually and you're doing it in therapy to actually ask us to even consider the answer to these questions right and it isn't always sometimes people are like black or white it's like jack in this career and go do that one it's like you're still taking yourself with you like yeah. real. you're taking yourself with you and that's still going to bring up challenges but how can we learn and i'm on this journey as well to sit with ourselves because i think there's something pretty powerful in that learn to listen to our intuition which you were talking about earlier and we need space to even be able to listen to that if yeah. we're constantly surrounded by noise we can't listen to our own intuition and like trust our own inner wisdom and then the follow up to that is practicing courage because um you can have the perfect vision but if you don't actually practice doing the tough stuff every day to show up and you know the first time i was on stage speaking in front of an audience uh, and telling some of my story uh, i was a mess I was a nervous wreck and I was a total mess and I'm like what the fuck am I doing and you know and but I realized I had to just I was that scared that I had to do it more yeah more like and some people are like I'm so scared let me never do that again and I'm like I'm scared let me go into that so I can get better and speak on better bigger stages do you know what I mean yeah yeah I understand it's it's very hard to um I think that's the real challenge like I found CBT to be a wonderful thing but I find it and I know quite a few people who have similar challenges myself. The hard thing is waking up the same person every day and waking up as the, as the person who doesn't mind journaling. And you know, every single day you've got so much, like life's just firing shit at you nonstop. And, and the problem is, and, and this is exactly why I, I find myself in these positions quite often. Well, I'm actually clearly in quite a good, place right now but a couple of weeks ago when I when I didn't want to do this yeah. um, just for so many people it's just so much the infrastructure just isn't there to, to why would you not just go and have a drink instead you know because it's just so much easier like we're we're kind of yeah yeah go with it into that pen you know and um it's um it's a real challenge to 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 do something every day for the for the good because sometimes it can it can be so it's like exercise isn't it when whenever i like whenever i go on a bit of a bender it'll be like not a bender bender but you know when i'm like drinking too much for so i i there we go last year last like april i decided to stop drinking and i didn't drink for like eight months and it was great. I was really happy with myself. I wasn't doing silly things. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I was looking well. I felt good, you know, I was exercising. I felt like I looked good and I, I wasn't, I wasn't being an arsehole and, 
Yeah. And then I went and then I started touring again and then did a European tour, loads of bread, loads of beer, piled this weight on then started this year. I was like, right, let's start, let's get swimming. You swim and you go, I've got to lose a bit of weight. You swim and swim and swim and you knack yourself out on that first day. And then you can't swim again for five days and you look at yourself in the mirror after a shower and you're like, oh God, like, you know, and you see all the photos from gigs and they're all saying, like, now what's the fucking point? Like, it would take months of this to even get to a good... And that's... It's so easy just to give up halfway through. It takes real strength and if you haven't got support to every day turn up, then, you know, I'm very fortunate in that, like, you know, I can afford therapy and I can afford to go to the gym, but I literally know so many people who just can't. But I think that that cannot often be, a, my mum said to me as a form of excuse that um, health was a rich man's game um, and, and she can be struggling sometimes. And I was like, yes, that's true. And ideally we would be able to afford these different things or the NHS would be able to, to cover certain things. And yes, we need that. And I think we need to take some personal responsibility because we're in the age of, you can learn anything off the internet now. Information is out there to, to, to support your physical health, your mental health, to build community, to talk to people, to connect. Like All of those things are actually there with technology. That's true, but you can't, you can't pretend there isn't... Like in, in this country, like the education system when I was growing up, so, so rinsed by Margaret Thatcher. And we were taught nothing about... Like, you know, certain people are born in areas where they just are not educated well enough to be able to understand half of their problems, let alone see all them. And, and, you know, particularly in, like, really working-class areas where it's not always, and I don't want to generalise, but when it's not, you, you know, it's not always um, acceptable to, to to be open about your issues. and There's stigma, for sure. Uh, yeah, and... and, and and some people just can't, you know, my, my father who's um, in the last few years has, has become way more switched on to, to how we should talk about women and, you know, um, anyone from the LGBTQ community. Um, but that, that has taken 40 years and probably the internet, but, but, 20 years ago, I don't think the world was set up for a, for a man like him to, from where he came from with the education he had to, to understand his own issues because he's, he's not had the easiest life. And um, So I, I understand what you're saying. There is no... I, I think there is an excuse for, for, for certain people not, not being able to help themselves. Because it is... I, I completely see what you mean. Hard. Yeah. There, there can be like a cultural, a, a family, a societal, like the messages are just repeated about, you know, uh, look after yourself. And an intellect. Like some people just aren't. That's true. You know, some people just can't, gra- couldn't grasp certain, you know, certain, certain I, I've been able to like, my, 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 my hatred of anxiety for so long, because I've been in, in and out of therapy for so long and I've got such a clear understanding of why I am the way I am and because I've told the story so many times you know I've, 
textbook, childhood yeah. trauma, drugs. Um, Mental health issue. Yeah, um, um, near-death experience, which triggered the panic attacks, which led the whole thing, you know, and then cycle, cycle, cycle. But I was always smart enough to understand the amygdala and the limbic system and, you know, and, and why and fight or flight, the reptilian brain, and why this it makes perfect sense. And none of it, it helped in the sense that I wasn't, didn't feel isolated, which is probably the, the killer. Yeah. You probably agree. Um, but if you can't understand all that, then, then of course, you, you, one thing you will be able to understand is that drugs and drink and quite often violence will, it will mask those things or they, they will just replace your anxiety and that's anyone's smart enough to learn that lesson as as evil as it is um you know i do feel i do feel for i know I've, I've certainly been very privileged in always been able to afford help and always i've had the capacity to understand things but i, I know I think a lot of the problems in this country come from a lack of education system, poor, poor community outreach, and you know, and probably up here, you know, the the, the skid marks of Catholicism, <laughs> um, you know, um, for sure, religion and all and all the rest of it, um, fathers, and you know, and, and masculinity. And even the just the competitive nature of like we everyone must achieve, and you know there's this track that you success looks like this, and you must be on that track if you're not there by the age of 22 or whatever. There's something wrong with you, and this comparing thing, and there's a lot swirling around. Um, I want to respect your time. We I feel like we could talk uh, absolutely all day. Um, when when finally when people like connect with you. Uh, through through Instagram or whatever, because you've told a bit of your story and they open up with you in some way. What advice do you give to people? Like, what do you try and just uh, say or, or point them in the direction of? What do you usually say? It, uh, this is, might sound a little bit... I've had to start saying, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. Um, in the right direction. I always say, you know, I always say the same things that I said to you before, get nature. Yeah. It's so hard because, like, I've been in, I've had agoraphobia at times and monophobia, and sometimes someone says, go out in nature, not possible. Yeah. Exercise, can't get out of bed, it's not possible. Um, see friends, a family, I don't have any. I mean, like, God, I, I don't, you know, I don't know the answer, and I've had to start saying to people, because the, 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 the problem that I have is that people are already engage in a conversation with me before I've even met them because they've heard right. the songs and they've, they've, we have a relationship and the first thing I hear of it is a message from someone at three in the morning saying I've had a really bad week your music's helped what can I do and I and for a couple of years I I got involved with trying to help people and talk to them that felt that that was my duty and I think that can actually be really dangerous I'm not a therapist I don't you just yeah, I just try and point people in, in the right direction. And one thing that people can always do if they can't get outside or they can't exercise is they, is they can write um, and they can express themselves. And that is, you can do that in any, you can do that in your imagination. And I think um, that's the, 
that's the one thing that you don't need any tools tools for you know that's why it's such a gift I love that so much. I certainly wrote bad poetry when I was younger, just as a way of. Um, I still am. I'm making money from it. Look <laughs> at <So can> you. <laughs> so some, some, there might be some talent out there that they don't know they have, um, because also ad- adversity to advantage. You've, you, you've used some of your, your angst and your, your feelings and your experiences, uh, you know, to influence your, your creative passion and, and your, your music and your lyrics. Um, and so there is something about that journey for you that is actually enhancing or definitely influencing your music. Oh, I'm, I'm certainly not talented enough to um, to do this without... Feeling it yourself. Yeah. like just, It's a great thing that Graham Parsons wrote to his sister after I think their mother died about how, he could, how she could see this sadness as a gift because it gives them an understanding into, into a world... Um, you know, and it puts uh, really contextualizes everything. I think um, I've discovered, I've learned recently. It's okay to admit the things that you're good at, as well as admit the things that you're bad at. And uh, it's very important that I say things like, "I've realised that I've got a, a talent for for taking my feelings and the awful things that I've seen or felt and making them." We're putting them to music, and the act alone is an act of hope. That's yeah. the whole point of what I do, and just try. I'm just clinging to hope, and, and I'm good at that. And that, and without all this, then then I then I wouldn't be, and I'd still just probably be a guitarist in a in a band, um, not really doing much more than, you know, and um, and yeah, without without a doubt, I I, I um, it's it's. It gives you, you know, adversity gives you, gives you a hell of a take on the world. Um, if you're lucky enough to be in a position to capitalise on it, which I think sometimes I feel guilt for, but what else, what else we're going to do? Exactly. I love that. Thank you so much, Bill, for your time. Going deep, even though it's early and you haven't had a drink yet. Um, I, 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 I'm going to go for a swimmer. <laughs> you'll be all right. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and good luck in the summer and all the festivals and gigs that you've got. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.